to the No More Late Fees podcast. I'm Jackie. And I'm Danielle, and we're just two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees rewatching some of the best and worst movies from the late 90s and early 2000s. This week, we are talking about the 2003 rom-com Down With Love, and joining us today is our pal Gavin Duffy. Hi, Gavin. Welcome. Hello. Hey, glad, glad to be here. Love it. <laughs> if you want to get to know Gavin a little bit better and you haven't listened to our trailer, hit pause, go check it out, and then come back. The most important thing is that you come back. Okay. But before we dive in, let's get into some housekeeping. Where were you, Jackie? I I feel like we were in sync until you paused. Because Maybe it's just that maybe we're a little off, because I swear (laughs) to God, sometimes... (laughs) I'm going and I don't see your lips moving. <laughs> Jeez. We'll get it right one of these days. One day. <laughs> I know some of y'all are probably saying, why don't y'all just record this shit and stop doing it? Because it's fun. Because we it like is. to torture you. And one day we'll be like in the same room and nail it. And then we'll have <laughs> nowhere to go from there. <laughs> we were in the same room. We did it for Head Over Heels. And I don't know if we got it. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Good try, though. <laughs> if you love the podcast and you want to support us, here's a few ways that you can. Did you know writing a review and or rating us helps us get more listeners? So if you want to be featured and help us grow, head to your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a review. And while you're there, make sure you hit subscribe so that you can get all the notifications when new episodes go live. And if you want exclusive content, stickers, lives, and access to our Burn Aughts playlist, head over to patreon.com slash nomorelatefees and sign up to be a Patreon bestie. Shout out to Shannon coming through with the comments again. She rushed. (laughs) We have that clip of the bus from our Spider-Man episode and Mm -hmm. she called us elitist. Coming from her, we already know. I can't but yeah (laughs) oh I'll have to go check it out usually Shannon's just roasting Danielle and I have (laughs) such joy when that happens yeah so I can't wait love you Shannon love you never don't go changing don't go changing (laughs) no let's dive into down with love So it's 1962 and feminist Barbara Novak pens a best-selling book that details the drawbacks of love. She encourages women to forego serious relationships with men in favor of independence, workplace achievements, and satisfying sex. I don't see anything wrong. Despite her success, many men are taken aback by her progressive views, including slick writer Catcher Block who decides to expose Barbara as a fraud by making her fall in love with him. However, his plan has unexpected consequences. The movie stars Renee Zellweger, I don't know why I said that weird, but whatever, Ewan McGregor, David Hyde Pierce, Sarah Paulson, I figured if I didn't say Jerry Ryan, Jackie would kill me. I was so... (laughs) thrilled when she came on screen i was like oh seven up yeah yeah (laughs) she loves the star trek as we all know and um sorry i was gonna go on a jerry ryan tangent but continue (laughs) and 
Tony Randall, the floor is yours, my friend. Oh, I was just going to say, if you have not watched Picard, top tier Jerry Ryan. She is fantastic in it as Seven of Nine. Oh, like chef's kiss. And also, if you don't follow her on Twitter, you should because she is also fantastic on Twitter and gives no shits and calls it as she sees it. I I can do the Twitter thing. <laughs> you should you should watch Picard. It's very good. You like sci-fi. I don't yeah. know what happened. Yeah. I mean, your dad it's Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard, right? And it has Jerry Ryan in it. Right. And the whole crew come back. And the whole crew. From... Oh, it is great. The, the, uh, season, oh, so good. season three was incredible. It was incredible. And so unexpected I, too. We were on episode four, I think. So, but I've tried to avoid Star Trek Twitter right now because people are going nuts about the finale. And I can't wait. Okay, I'm done gushing about Jerry One Ryan. day. One day I will do it. I I, pr- I promise you. I don't believe you, but continue. Yeah. <laughs> One day I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Who was the There's movie directed by Danielle? Hundreds, hundreds of hours of episodes to catch up on, Danielle. <laughs> I think he could just she could just start with season one of Picard. Which it's one's funny. which one which Star Trek got the hot guy from the Crossroads movie? I'll start there. Oh, Strange New Worlds. That is a really, really good series as well. Does he take his shirt off on that show? No. He kind of gets burned Ooh. a lot. What? In some flash forwards. <laughs> 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 but you also have Rebecca Romaine as Una number one. Okay. <laughs> I've I've seen the movies. Your dad made me see most of them. The old ones or the new ones? The ones that came out in the, like the nineties, two thousands. I saw those with you guys. Okay. And I saw. Have the you seen the ones. Calvin timeline? Yeah, with Chris Pine. Yes. Okay. So I think that doesn't make me that bad, right? And I've seen Galaxy Quest. Does that count? <laughs> It's nope. an, honor, an honorary Star Trek film, I think. <laughs> have you watched Orville? I think... I, I have think... not seen Orville. Orville is really, really, really good. And, like, you can tell... Seth oh, McFarlane. Yeah. He pays homage to Star Trek while making it its own thing. Thing. Yeah. Well... Look, I'll watch an I'll watch an episode. I've watched an episode of Orville. I don't know if it was you or Ken that made me watch it. Probably I don't can. I don't want to say made. I was there and things were happening. <laughs> but if if I watch a Star Trek season, you have to watch the only season of Firefly. I've tried to watch Firefly. I'll try again, but I just don't understand. It's it's literally the same. It's in the same genre like what actually so i take good. that mm, i tried to watch it sounds like a win-win for everybody <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll try and ken will be happy if i sit down and watch firefly i'll try I, lo- I love it so much and you'd be honoring my dad because he very much that was our show <laughs> 
Anywho, the movie was directed. (laughs) The movie was directed by Peyton Reed, who, if you don't know, directed Bring It On. What's wrong, Jack? You got real excited. No, like his filmography. His roster of movies is. Oh, it is so legit. I'll I'll let you say it then. Oh, I don't have that in front of me. I know he did all the Ant-Man, so he's part of the MCU. He, he did all He's done it. two episodes of Mandalorian. Let me fall down my Star Trek, <laughs> Star Wars in MCU rabbit hole for a second. <laughs> and the filming technique, I can't remember the technical term right off the top of my head that he used in this movie. Technical he did not stuff? use. I'm sorry. Was it the Technicolor thing that he did? I think so. Mm. He did not use that again until he shot the two episodes of The Mandalorian. So I can tie The Mandalorian directly into this movie. (laughs) Um, Yes, he did all the (laughs) Ant-Man movies. He did The Mandalorian, two episodes on that. Bring It On, he directed. He directed Yes Man, which I actually enjoyed, but I haven't watched in a while. So I don't know if that's going to be good still. And The Breakup with Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn he's 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 done good let's just say so and uh, yeah I don't know what I I was gonna say (laughs) just flittered out of my brain anywho the screenplay was by Eve Aller and Dennis Drake and you can watch the movie right now by renting on Amazon or Apple I'm really fudging pissed because when we were doing our roster and for the year Mm -hmm. I remember going on hbo max and saying oh down with love is here great you know i go looking for that shit and it's gone again well i googled where to watch down with love and it popped up with a direct link on disney plus and then when i clicked it europe it was like nah son it's not here and i was like second movie in a row i've had to buy on amazon we both bought it i don't know why i didn't tell you that like i was buying it I'm because so sorry. I bought someone. You did? <laughs> yeah. As uh, soon as I buy something, I'm like, I've bought it. Don't buy it. I... Does not reciprocate. No. That's not true. <laughs> I usually tell you that's not true. I do tell you. I just slipped into a coma today. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. I was just, yeah, I was just really mad. Also, I'll tell you why I'm really mad later. Okay. Why don't we get into those ratings rewind? So you know the drill. Before we get into the movie, we'll reveal a rating our Y2K versions of ourselves would give. Then at the end, we'll see if our current selves agree with our initial rating. Our scale consists of would buy it, would buy it again. The best would play on repeat. Five-day rental. Would watch again. Two-day rental. Yeah. Okay, but nothing to write home about. And same-day rental. Absolute trash. I don't have anything funnier to say about that with this movie. (laughs) (laughs) To reference, no reference point. We're going to start with you, Gavin. What was your Y2K rating of this movie? I think my Y2K rating would have been... What's the the kind of the middle kind of... Two-day rental. Two-day rental, that's the one, yeah. (laughs) That would have been been my initial thoughts. Yeah. For me, I bought it. I owned it. I knew. I knew you would. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is Danielle written all over her. (laughs) It has such pretty colors. (laughs) That's why your background is literally just her apartment. I just want this life, okay? I want to live her lifestyle. (laughs) Jackie. So I remember watching it. There's a twist that I did not see coming, so I don't even know if I finished it (laughs) in the day. So I will say same day rental as Mm. my Y2K rating. So remember when I said I wasn't sure where you were going to fall? My gut instinct was, she don't like this shit. This is not in your genre. That's okay. That's fine. No worries. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's get into <laughs> let's get into the box office so this movie had a budget of 35 million dollars and it made 39.5 million referencing back to when gavin said there mm. was only one dvd copy this is why it bombed it did not do well let's hear what what some of the reviewers said the critics down with love was oh a.o scott in the new york times he said he pr- he praised a director Reed's buoyant homage, Zellweger's Doris Day-like ability to swivel engagingly between goofiness and sex appeal, McGregor's Sinatra-like wiry wolfish energy, and screenwriters Allert's and Drake's canny cocktail of period vernacular and deliberately labored double entendres, finding the movie intelligent and amusing with a glorious hectic artificiality. But he questioned the point of the exercise. That's a real superfluous way to say. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't <laughs> get it. Acting great. Okay, I don't get great. it. Yeah, everything's great, <laughs> but I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and as we read through Peyton Reed's entire filmography, this is the only movie in his filmography to not reach the number one spot during its opening weekend. It actually opened the second Tribeca Film Festival where it made its premiere. It opened in New York and then was released countrywide a week later, May 16th, 2003. And the film was released as a count- as counter-programming against The Matrix Reloaded. The film performed worse than expected. I don't understand how they really thought that you could have counter-programming to The Matrix movie. After... I think you could. I mean, it's not going to make anywhere near what the Matrix makes, right? Right. But if you had like not a super niche movie, yeah, you had more of a broader audience, Sweet Home Alabama or Miss Congeniality, you would have had a fighting chance. But this movie is very specific. <laughs> that yeah, and I wonder. I wonder if Peyton thought this was like a rom-com rom-com. Gonna be that? Yeah. I To me, it is very niche. Like he was trying to say, again, that this was not a parody, that this was like a continuation. But for people who didn't like those kind of movies or grew up watching them, just stepping in and watching, you don't, you're like, what the hell is going on? It it feels like they're making fun of something. It doesn't feel like authentically just because, mm. you know. It's like assuming that we know 
right uh, we're familiar with the genre as he is which yeah we're not. it was like it felt <laughs> like know. a joke you weren't in on right but we're, you were kind of adjacent to <laughs> I, I i was very conflicted because a lot of the movie i did like but then it got into like that split screen where it was like it looked like they were simulating sex with the split screen while they're talking on the phone i'm like this isn't really necessary like that's where it kind of goes into parody and not just staying on like the cheeky side of we're gonna do a 60s style movie in the in the early odds and so that's where I kind of am conflicted because like Danielle said I do not care for parodies (laughs) but there was some really good meat the acting was great like it had a lot of heart but then it would just go a little too far in some scenes and I'm just like you lost me I felt was... the same with that thing, the sorry you know the the phone call scene you were talking mm-hmm. about with the split screen like it, it is funny but it does come across like a like an Austin Powers scene exactly and, and like and like that that movie is 100% a parody of like you know James Bond and whatnot mm-hmm. but I think Down With Love for the most part kind of avoids being complete parody but then yeah. for that moment it jumps into complete parody <laughs> even though I think the I think that scene is still pretty good though I think it's it's well done like it's it's it is silly but it's clever at the same time you know it is well it, done. it, it is oh, very well painting. done yeah so watching knowing those movies and watching those movies that scene does make it feel like it it's poking fun at it it's mm-hmm. it's a very it's like walking the line of parody but it mm-hmm. it feels like it's talking to the people who watch those movies because that the split screen thing is a huge thing in pillow talk and the whole premise of like the switcheroo because in pillow talk doris day and rock hudson share a phone line um like a i think it's like a party line or something and he's like a Lothario and she's just frustrated with him. So he pretends to be somebody else with like an accent. So that whole thing is very much in that movie. So when they do that split screen, it is really funny because it 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 feels like it's kind of like an homage to that movie, but also like the innuendos of sex, which they did a lot in the 60s. Like you couldn't really outwardly say stuff. Um, in those movies so yeah I don't know I found that to be less of a parody part because I knew it was paying homage to that movie but I felt like the I knew you were gonna say that and I am so and so like that like twist was more Mm -hmm. of well I was like okay now this is getting into parody territory when it's towards the end yeah She's like calling it all the the tropes of that genre. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, <laughs> it, it, it's like a wink to the audience, isn't it? Yeah. I also love. So there wasn't a bunch of casting crew fun facts, but we do know that Tony Randall's in the movie. He plays Theodore Banner, the owner of the the book company that Renee Zellweger's character has her book published at. 
And he appeared with Rock Hudson in Doors Day and Pillow Talk, Lover Come Back, and Semi No Flowers. In all three movies, he played like the the sidekick, which similar to David Hyde Pierce, like their characters, you know, what David Hyde Pierce played and what Tony Randall played in those movies, like varies. He did a really good job being able to emulate the neurotic behavior mm-hmm. and I'm in awe of my best friend who gets all the ladies kind of thing that Tony Randall did. So he's I so thought of funny in this, uh, <laughs> David I. Pierce. He, he's yeah. so he's so uptight. I think the the funniest line for me is like he's so uptight. He, he has it, like those little suspenders for his. Uh, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, without them, people might see my shiny knee if I cross my legs. <laughs> 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 it's, it's, it's perfectly it's perfectly set up that he's so uptight you know yep I I, do, I I love that scene and I love how like the secretary hears overhears them talking because that is straight out of those movies they did that a lot where someone would hear yeah. something and yeah. think it was something else as well yeah like the, the secretary's like she's so scandalized <laughs> <laughs> by what she's hearing <laughs> And if you're interested, Sarah Paulson did this movie before, you know, she really blew up to where we know her now. So she was looking at this movie as like a big break. So if you're ever interested to just know how she like remembers so much about this movie and the experience, there's a Vulture article that they released on the 18th anniversary of this movie that you guys should read. It's really cool to hear her set experience and just like where she was in her career and getting this role. She's like, I still don't know how I got this. And she <laughs> thought it was going to be like her big break for real, because both you, and McGregor had just came off of Moulin Rouge and Renee had just got off of Chicago and David Hyde Pierce had just wrapped up his run in, in Frasier. So like you have all these how people. How can I lose? Right, right. <laughs> and then uh, she yeah. did. <laughs> She did. And the Matrix came along. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Dashed all her dreams. She made it anyway. And she was fabulous in this. She really was. Yeah. Yeah. Like like when you when you see it at the time, it's she's not famous and you don't know who she is. But so it's fun to go back. I do have a funny detail. So she said when she was auditioning that they liked her but they thought that she looked too much like Renee because her hair was blonde. So she, she wore a wig, but then she, I think she wore a wig to her original audition, but then she Mm -hmm. dyed her hair pretty quickly. And she's like, that's what got her to the next audition. So I don't know if you've heard this on the podcast before, Gavin, we, I don't even want to say it's a theory. This happens in Hollywood. Like they believe for diversity it's hair color for white people so you can't have like two blonde leads can't have like two redheads you it has yeah, to be yeah. blonde and brunette like if not then all of a sudden we won't be able to recognize people if there's two blondes so yeah I, if there's two blondes we'll go brain dead heaven forbid (laughs) (laughs) okay 
You ready to get started? <laughs> I feel like we've already talked about the movie and we haven't even started really jumped in. So starts off with like a very classic 60s intro with like some jazzy music and like Technicolor title cards and stuff as we get into the movie. And then we see Renee Zellweger emerging from Grand Central Station. She is Barbara Novak. The year is 1962, and there's 8 million people in one. (laughs) (laughs) I, I was paying very close attention to, like, trying to figure out you know I love when they're able to get the older cars and and Mm -hmm. you see the Pan Am building behind Grand Central Station which is really cool and I want to say that this movie does a really good job of the things that they kind of CGI or whatever but Mm -hmm. then the things that look really fake but it's on purpose you know so I enjoy that Like if they're if they're in a car, like the background is like like the sixties <laughs> right. on purpose. I think it looks great. I I I love that. I love that rear screen projection effect. I love it. So she gets out, gets in a taxi. There are people protesting the the bomb, the atomic bomb. Is that what? When what the, it is? did they drop that in? They're like get World down with War II. Right. Well, this movie sure. must take place or either after or after or during because they talk about the Nazi scientists that the country has taken over. But they say it's 1962. Yeah. yeah, I think they're talking about like the atomic bomb and you know how they don't don't want it I'm so again. Maybe. Yeah, I guess it's during the Cold War. I'm, I'm, uh, I we're real the bad with little, <laughs> well i mean so world war ii was and it it's ended like in 1945 crisis, isn't it? it was around that time yeah it's super yeah. weird that they're still talking about nazis and yeah. the nazi scientists <laughs> well, i guess i guess that makes sense because after world war ii or i guess towards the end of world war ii Nazis started fleeing and mostly going to South America. Right. They um, mentioned Argentina, which is yeah. where a lot of them went. Yeah. And then they said the U.S. was harboring some Nazi scientists because they were brilliant and they wanted to, like, essentially use them for their minds. Which is so very true. Willing- <laughs> yeah, they- which is what happened. And uh, David, Hyde, David Hyde Pierce says, uh, but they're the bad guys and we're the good guys. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Are we... Peter, I really so, and, they, go ahead. and they mentioned Florida was harboring mm-hmm. them, of course. Yep. Even back then, we were trash. Just 100%. Yeah. So she goes to the Banner House, which is a publishing company. We see a gag where she's waiting for the elevator. All of a sudden, a ton of people show up behind her. A ton of people exit the elevator, kind of block her way in. And by the time she's able to get in, the elevator's full again. But then she turns around and there's an empty elevator except for Sarah Paulson's character, Vicky. And the entire elevator is full of smoke. Because <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. there used to be smoking back then everywhere. Yeah. Then they go up to 
the publishing for. They talk about Barbara's book, Down With Love, that she is getting published. We meet Rachel Dratch's character, Gladys, as like the secretary <laughs> who's very dowdy and typical Rachel Dratch character. Yeah. <laughs> And then they go into what is re- they refer to as Lion's Den, and it's just the board, and it's just like 12 angry men. It's just a room full of old white men who only go by their initials. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's down. <laughs> yeah, he's down with TB. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, Taylor Bronson. Like, it's all very... <laughs> yeah just that like but that is such a dry humor from the 60s when they'd have like those movies Mm -hmm. so it was pretty on on point um and then you Uh, see a huge portrait of tony randall's character mm -hmm. looking like he is yeah he is mr banner so he owns the publishing Mm -hmm. company we learn from Barbara's from Maine and Vicky, she's explaining to them what the book is. She's not pitching the book because it's already been purchased. It's just that they don't freaking get it. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but she, she stands up and is trying to explain that this is a nonfiction book. And they're like, oh, since you're up, can you go get me some coffee? Yeah, and then she's like, oh, it's empty. Yeah. And they're like, okay, well, since you're making a new pot. Yeah, since you're making a new pot. So just not taking her seriously in the workforce. Like their views of women are that they are the secretaries there to be talked down to and just ordered around. Very Mad Men like. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. And she's like explaining like that a part of the book is that women can gain independence in the workforce Mm -hmm. or like gain respect in the workforce and while she's trying to explain that they're asking her to get coffee right (laughs) i think it's a really clever scene like good good uh, it's well played yeah it's a very useful juxtaposition of like she's explaining what the ideal is while having to get coffee for people who are essentially almost her equals yeah coffee and sanka i would like to know what that tastes like yeah, I don't know what that, I didn't know what that was. I just like I just like the way the guy has a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> That's the guy from Psych. I love him. I just can't remember his name. And he was also in that decom about the boy who was a leprechaun. The thirteenth year. No, that's the mermaid, merman. Oh, it just oh, gets at the tip of my tongue. <laughs> It'll come to me later. Well, we find out that according to the book Down With Love, love is a distraction and you refrain from love, but not sex. And it teaches women how to live a life like Amanda's. And that's based on three levels. First level (laughs) is abstain from men altogether and you replace men with chocolate. First and 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 foremost, (laughs) these levels seem like one of those Ponzi schemes of like (laughs) those businesses that you can, oh, you could be a part of the business. You just have to sell this many. And when you get to this tier, you, you know, or Mary Kay, I guess you get the pink Cadillac once you get to this level. (laughs) But I, I, I think that would be way too much chocolate. 
<laughs> Maybe the suite of your choice. Perhaps. Right. So level two is taking on new challenges. And then level three is to be self-sufficient, active in the workplace and have equality with men. But I like level three because you can have sex again. Yes. Because apparently. But still no love. Right, right, right. Like level one and two in chocolate are supposed to help (laughs) you separate love from sex. Right. All that chocolate's going to give you love handles. (laughs) And so you got to work them (laughs) off. Uh, and the level level three is when the guys around the table kind of lean forward I like that stuff. <laughs> that's when they actually got intrigued by that but yeah <laughs> i'm just surprised that like after they heard this whole thing that they were like wait a minute we can't put this out like i was surprised they were able to oh yeah. they're like that's Sorry. it's gonna make my wife crazy right <laughs> okay uh, so they they say this is never gonna work. The men of Manhattan are devious, and like essentially, you'll get played oh, yeah. because men are smarter. Right. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's like yeah, the men of Manhattan are like animals or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, these were all accurate, and they still continue to this day. So delete your life. <laughs> <laughs> and then the net as they're like saying this it cuts to you and mcgregor's character catcher block landing on a roof he has a private helicopter he walks into his place of work so he is a journalist for no magazine k-n-o-w magazine david hyde pierce is his colleague and works under him it seems like his boss he oh, is he the his boss? <laughs> he owns yeah. the magazine. Oh, I guess that's why he was like, you were You're fired. fired. Yeah. And then he's like, no, I'm yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's an interesting dynamic like the two of them have. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that. You're like. I just think <laughs> it's so funny that Hugh McGregor's character is, well, he's a journalist and writer who like travels to work by helicopter with <laughs> like three women like lowering the ladder down yeah. for him and his uh, his office seems to have like a walk-in closet and a bar and he's like he's basically walking around like James Bond but he like works for a magazine <laughs> yes honestly I feel like so many people kind of live similar lives from what the movies show us like it seemed like <laughs> they got to do whatever the fuck they wanted during that time (laughs) i wonder if that was peter david hyde pierce's character's office and then catcher was just like no i need the shower and the bigger closet i'm gonna need you to switch with me probably (laughs) that makes sense that makes sense (laughs) so he's arriving back from florida he's done some undercover investigating at the NASA um, Cocoa Beach parties are wild. And all the girls had like a different skill while they, (laughs) while he was getting this information on the Nazis, the Nazi scientists. One girl would use her (laughs) bongos, her bongos. And the other one would use her maracas maracas to distract. And the other girl- I love how this has just turned into charades. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) And then the other girl was all typing. She she wrote the story, I guess. Yeah. And I just want to know what he did in return for them to all be doing these things. He's catch her block. He he better catch my block (laughs) if he's gonna make me do all that stuff. I'm just saying. That's a t-shirt. Yeah. So he goes <laughs> off on these adventures. He's like a, a journalist that's off on these like spy adventures almost. <laughs> it made me think about like, I wonder if they ever approach Ewan McGregor to be James Bond because I don't think he would have done a bad job at it. I agree. I or think he would have been good, yeah. <clears throat> or would that just like, is he Scottish? He's Scottish. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe the British were like, I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> oh, it would have been good. Sean Connery was Scottish. Oh, that's well, right. So You're right. That's true. And he's like the yeah. best Bond, I guess. Yeah. And uh, Ewan McGregor would have done a great, like, 60s Bond, you know, that's kind, yeah. of, mm-hmm. kind of smiling, womanizing kind of Bond. But, but also, like, not. very unassuming and charming at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. no pretension. Yeah, I think now James Bond has to be more physical action hero, kind. I guess. I wouldn't mind going back to a lean, <clears throat> mean, flirting machine kind of Bond. Did you Not- know that in the ranking of all the James Bond movies, Nick and I talked at, ex- <laughs> at length about <laughs> James Bond the other day, and all of Daniel Craig's Bond films are in like the top ten ranking of like best to worst. What do you like? They're at the top, like at the top. Best. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised. I I just think he changed the genre completely. Mm-hmm. Like, or <clears throat> more like he like renovated it. You know, and made it more serious in some ways, mm-hmm. and made James Bond like a bona fide action star. I think the other ones made it seem so seamless or kind of silly, I guess you mm-hmm. could say. Yeah. I think I remember him saying around the time of Casino Royale, the first one he did, that it was they felt it was really difficult to do a modern James Bond film because of Austin Powers. It was and it's like Austin Powers was such a successful parody of the whole thing that yeah. they almost couldn't do what a normal James Bond movie and had to reinvent it and looked at kind of the Jason Bourne movies to to reinvent it so there's like especially the first few uh, Daniel Craig ones there's pretty much no jokes because yeah. they were afraid of being like Austin Powers pretty much <laughs> Oh, I didn't even know that. Didn't even think about it. Our friend Nick yells at Jackie and I because we don't really watch a lot of them. We've seen a few between the two of us. A few can mean two or more. (laughs) I don't think I've even seen that, Danielle. What? I said between the two of us. You just need to see one. I've seen at least three. You've Um, seen one. I think think if if you grow up and they're on tv all the time like i i couldn't escape them so that was it. <laughs> apparently jackie and i could we escaped them like the plague 
And <laughs> yeah. I, I promised Nick that I would watch one of his choosing, and I believe he chose Goldfinger. I think that's so. one of the better ones. Gold. Is that what it's yeah. called? Goldfinger, yeah. Goldfinger, yeah. That's, that's also what Pierce a, Bronson. A punk ska band. So no, that's Goldeneye. Oh, then yeah. I don't know about this one. Then is that the Sean Connery one, Goldfinger? Sean Connery's in Goldfinger. Yeah, is yeah. somebody fingers the like somebody's finger becomes gold? No, Goldfinger's the name of the villain. Is his finger gold? <laughs> I don't want to give it away. You have to see it. <laughs> We have to watch it. He, he, Nick said it is the Bond. It's not the best Bond movie, but it's the Bondiest Bond movie of all the Bond movies. Okay. Well, I didn't promise him that I would see it. That's just your promise to him. (laughs) That's fine. Yeah, I think like any 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 jokes you've seen in I don't know, like The Simpsons or Austin Powers, you'll see them all in Goldfinger. Like that's. It's the one they've. Oh my the god! Most, I think. So, Gavin, do we have to watch the James Bond movies to really appreciate the Austin Powers movies <laughs> when we rewatch them? Is that what you're saying uh, to me? No, oh, I don't Lord. Think that. oh <laughs> Lord! Oh Lord! Oh no! Well, we have three uh, in our time up. period. We have three Bond movies in our time period. One I of them say, we may uh, be doing at the end of this year with what Nick. now? So what? It, it's it, it's between two movies right now, and neither one of them. Oh God, Life Aquatic, isn't it? <laughs> it's the other. That's the other one. Is Life Aquatic? So we we have a Sophie's choice to make. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Welcome to Bitch Watch. Hi, I'm Sly. I'm Witsy. And we're two bitches watching TV. We're a recap and shit talk show. That's right. We watch hours and hours and hours of TV, so you don't have to. You can listen and laugh along with us everywhere you listen to podcasts and find us on Instagram and Twitter at BitchWatchPod. Is our show original? No. Entertaining? We hope so. This is BitchWatch. So the other thing that Catcher comes back with, that's his name, right? Yeah. Catcher comes back with is a NASA security pass to prove that he did his recon like he said he did. And then we cut to Vicky, played by Sarah Paulson, talking to Barbara. And Barbara's lamenting that the board had no intention of promoting her book. And so Vicky's like, well, I knew that was going to happen. And so I got you a promotion in the magazine now, and you'll be the cover story. Which and we so find out, we find out Barbara actually suggested that when she was first talking to Vicky, like that mm-hmm. about no. And also when her book got released, they went to that, they went to a bookstore and she literally had one single book on the shelf. Yeah. Heart and then Vicky's like, well, there's one copy in a bookstore across town. Like, <laughs> You got two. (laughs) You got two books. (laughs) So this is when Vicky shows Barbara to her adorable apartment as shown. Adorable does not even put. First of all, it has a sunken living room. Okay. 
it has sunken living room with beautiful colors everywhere, pinks and blues and yellows. I, it's just like a feast for your eyes. The whole movie is a feast for your eyes, but this mm-hmm. apartment, I would mm-hmm. make sweet, sweet love to it if it was a man. <laughs> it is beautiful. Catcher has a beautiful like- apartment as well. Yes. Yeah, and it's it's like uh, you're a new publisher. We've got two copies of your book, and here's your apartment. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> She's got a balcony. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, with a view, <laughs> with a view, and yeah. she has like this. I don't know, a, like a a room divider thing that she can like get out of the shower and just go and randomly. And I'm like, why is this here? You're home by yourself. Like you get buck naked. What did she got to go behind a divider? But okay. I love to see it. <laughs> Maybe if she has gentleman collars. So she he, can if be. The gentleman collars in my room. We've already done something. He's seen the goods. I don't it's need indecent, to be behind a Danielle. Div- she whatever. can't get dressed in front of him. It's indecent. So. <laughs> Peter, that's his name, right? Am I making that up? <laughs> I think so. Peter tells Catcher that he had promised Vicky that they could have a cover story because Peter just wants some love. He has 20 diagnosed neuroses. <laughs> Catcher met him when he only had 12. <laughs> that's friendship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Catcher calls Barbara and invites her to lunch to discuss the book. Catcher is under the assumption that because she wrote this self-help book, nonfiction book, she must be like frumpy, unattractive, dowdy. She's from Maine. She spinster. grew up on a farm. A spinster. spinster. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which it seems and- like a real jagged insult or something. <laughs> I know. Well, back then, I it, I think it it definitely was the worst thing the to be called. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's like she's dirty. She's a spinster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're at lunch, Catcher and Peter, waiting for Vicky and Barbara to arrive. But then my girl Gwendolyn, played by Jerry Ryan, shows up, and she's got like I got some time, Catcher, and he's like. I got the time too. And he leaves <laughs> while Peter's in the bathroom. For a, for so Peter comes back. Yeah. <laughs> I just wonder, like, do I guess it's assumed that they're doing it in box seats at the theater? Mm hmm. They call it a matinee. She has yeah. time for a matinee. <laughs> well, I mean, they go to a matinee yeah. show, so I get it. But how do you not get banned at the theater? He's catcher block. Yeah, because because he seems to have everybody in his pocket. Like alert the taxi uh, the cab driver and that my new name is, you know, that's later on in the movie. But... Yeah. <laughs> You're right. He's got everybody in his pockets. Yeah. So catcher because leaves. He's <laughs> that goes around in a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So Catcher leaves as Barbara and Vicky are walking in, in the, the scene behind me, the fashion in this movie, all of the clothes head to toe that everyone wears in this movie had to be custom made Two, both Renee and Sarah had to have a choreographer. They had to take like actual dance lessons or whatever 
to be able to perform they're not full-on dancing but they had to synchronize and and everything with these scenes and Sarah said that Renee obviously coming off Chicago and just who she is got it like that and Sarah's like I was I was having issues I was stumbling <laughs> with this but well, yeah and they're in a lot of like 50s and 60s movies like his girl friday is a really good example there is a beat to the movie like everything is said as a rhythm and the the movie itself has a beat and so these moments brought me back to movies like that where there it it was a dance that they were doing but they were doing it through dialogue and in this they were just doing it while showing off their their fashion i would say the person a writer that's very inspired by that kind of rhythm that you're talking about is the writer of Gilmore Girls if you ever just Mm -hmm. hear it like it's so fast the way that they talk but there Mm -hmm. is a rhythm to it and she does it like almost on all of her shows and it it is very reminiscent of this time period Mm -hmm. Amy Sherman Palladino is her name so catcher so they arrive they sit with Peter Peter's like I don't know where the fuck he went (laughs) And then Catcher calls and is like, I'm really sorry. I found this dog and I have to take care of her. He keeps using this dog analogy. And so he's like, rain check. And then at dinner, they walk (laughs) in again with these fabulous, like, billowing shawls that they drop as they enter the restaurant. And he calls. He's with another Pan Am flight attendant flight attendant and but, she she says like how's that little bitch doing or something yeah like that? they're talking about the dog uh, yeah. analogy yeah <laughs> and i will say like barbara's book is coming from a place of feminism but i did find feminism in the flight attendants whereas they knew who catcher was what he was about and they were okay with it because they it was a like a mutually um, a mutual understanding like they were going to get theirs he was going to get his and see you next time I'm in town. Thatcher was community dick and they did but they didn't know <laughs> that he was community dick. The difference was they didn't find out until that that lunch or whatever that they had. They all were they knew who Catcher was but they didn't know that he was in their circle until they had lunch because she was like hold on you were with catcher like they didn't know i don't think so yes they had their freedom but but at the end when gwendolyn walks in she's like you forgot to take the key up if you were otherwise indisposed like she knew she knew who catcher was she knew he was a playboy but she didn't know he was community dick with her community community Yes. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yes. But I felt like that was very empowering where like they knew who he was. They had his like and they were okay with it because they were they were getting theirs, he was getting his and then see you next time. Do you think do you think Catcher is do you think Catcher knows that they know or do you think he's I think he thinks he's so slick. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> like he thinks he's, he's uh, fooling these ladies, but they're onto him yeah. from the start. Pretty much. Catcher calls it dinner. He needs another rain check. 
And then he calls again for a rain check at breakfast. And that's when Barbara overhears the flight attendants at breakfast talking about their dates with Catcher the day before. Right. And uh, the third flight attendant is actress Melissa George, which I was like, oh, I didn't know she was in this one either. So many people, random. And so Catcher calls to get another rain check. And she tells him that he can stick the rain check where the sun doesn't shine and she wouldn't meet him for a hundred years. That's a lot. Very specific. I'd have been like, (laughs) rain check? It's about to be a motherfucking thunderstorm. You better get your raincoat. (laughs) Bitch, I'm coming for you. You standing me up like this. Yeah, three times. Like, how many (laughs) rain checks, you know, does he think he's going to get away with? (laughs) A lot, I guess. He is. <laughs> yeah. So obviously Barbara's upset. Vicky gets mad and leaves Peter. And then the next shot is it, I'm they couldn't show a strip club. So they were at what I wrote down as a sexy lady dance show. <laughs> <laughs> their outfits, their outfits look like the outfits from the fifth element with that like well, the flight the, attendants. Yeah, the blue, just the blue and and the look of it. But yeah, I was wondering because they have the little astronaut helmets on, but they were <laughs> kind of bobbling as they danced. I'm like, is there a spring in there? How how is it lifted off their heads so they get that kind of movement? I was fascinated. <laughs> I don't remember any of the dialogue from the scene. I was just hyper focused on those helmets during this scene, like Patrick is losing his mind or peter sorry oh, fuck god damn it again <laughs> who the fuck is patrick <laughs> peter is like losing it because catcher has ruined things with vicky for him because he's pissed off barbara and you know he's like that's why i brought you to the the boom boom room here and we're gonna have fun and at the same time while this is happening, Barbara and just Vicky are talking and trying to figure out how they're going to get some publicity for the book. And so they just happen to walk by the Ed Sullivan show. And somehow Vicky's able to pull strings to get Judy Garland to sing a song yeah. about <laughs> Down With Love, which is a real yeah. clip from Judy Garland actually performing on the Ed Sullivan show. And she actually has a show, a movie called down. I mean, <laughs> a song called down with love, which is a nice little tie in. And because Renee actually won her Oscar for playing Judy Garland later on in another movie called. Judy. Correct. Yeah. Judy. <laughs> that all happens very easily in the, in the, in the movie so freaking easily and of course (laughs) the book blows up everywhere now these scenes where they show the book blowing up in other countries i'm like yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like do you think it's like we're gonna do these stereotypes as if they would have how they would have been done in the 60s or did they just do stereotypes how they would have done in the 2000s (laughs) I can't can't tell. So we see a couple of scenes that not great by today's standards, by any day's standards. It's the and then it's the what? It's the China one. Yes. 
you know, that's the one where I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah. not good. It's not that old. The, yeah. the movie's not that old. You know? <laughs> it's 20 years old, maybe. Yeah, I still think, you know, yeah, I suppose 20 years ago, they probably thought, You're yeah. still well, learning some things. Yeah. I don't even want to say learning. The difference is, back then, it's not that these people didn't know better they just didn't have any repercussions to do what they wanted to do. That's the only difference. Like mm-hmm. that drives me crazy when, when they're like, Oh, we we've learned so much. And we moved. So-. No, y'all knew that shit was fucked up back mm-hmm. then, but you knew you could get away with it. And you did. That was it. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the audience has a voice now to complain. Right. Right. Whereas like in 20 years ago, people might've complained in the video store in the video shop <laughs> right like, nobody in hollywood's there to hear it you know <laughs> <laughs> if a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it did it fall <laughs> yeah <laughs> so now we see because it is now a widespread phenomenon women are rejecting men kind of telling them like no we are equal and then this this scene as they're showing different women like being empowered i don't know why but it kept making me think of the buffy series finale when all the girls got powers and like they're like you can't hit me no more like it just (laughs) felt very much the same (laughs) so now we have Sorry, I'm trying to uh, figure to out see what where it's been. Oh, well, after this, she actually gets invited. That, no, what ha- happens, Patrick is told by Block to try to call Vicky and Barbara to, he's like, I'll interview Barbara now, now that, and also he gets to see what she looks like. And he's like, wait a minute, I thought you told me that she will like, look like a spinster and an old maid or whatever. And he's like, I never told you any of that. These are all the things you say. Yeah, he, he says it again. He like slaps the paper or something. You told me she was a spinster. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so Patrick tries calling Barbara and Vicky and they're not answering his calls at this point. So he gets really mad that they're not answering. And then she goes on a talk show and is asked about the book and then asked if like, if these kind of men really exist because she's talking about the type of men that, you know, make it hard for women or whatever, womanizers. And she just, (laughs) it seems like they're going to, she's like, oh, I don't want to drop names. Are you asking me for names? And he's like, well, no, not really. And she's like, catch a block <laughs> like just like steer yeah. straight into the camera it's like it, yeah. the man was not pressing her at all and she was like oh you want to know i'll let you know <laughs> and so catcher is now pissed and he gets a phone call because they're at his apartment and re- you know one of his dates cancels on him so it's messing with his stash of mm. ladies and yeah, so now- the, book, the book has turned his life upside down pretty much. <laughs> yes. So now he wants and, revenge. The, the book, the chapter in the book's called, some, isn't it something like men that change their shirts too often? Right. And when she says yes. this on TV, he's like in the middle of changing his shirt. 
yeah catcher's not in a good place at all and he's now he now wants revenge on barbara and it's just happened happenstance that he and patrick are getting in a cab and they, he sees across the way barbara like talking to I, I guess she's buying she's at a food stand, i don't know what kind of newsstand or something so he he got that like look in his eyes about to do some maniacal shit mm-hmm. and he he actually takes patrick's dry cleaner slip and said hey i'll take peters. care of this it's peters who the hell is patrick <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> god damn it patrick is my uncle maybe i'm just thinking of him patrick is, is also your uncle does maybe. he look like david hyde pierce he does not not in the slightest <laughs> Could not well, be it, more opposite. And at the same time that Catcher is like going to seek revenge on Barbara, Barbara can't get laid because she's too famous now. Her face is everywhere. Men know who she is. I don't believe that. I believe you could get laid. You could get laid. She could have gotten laid. She claims she cannot, and she's consuming an awful lot of chocolate. All she had to do was go to Brooklyn. Nobody know her out there. <laughs> They knew her in China and Russia. Girl, bye. Go to Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't nobody know who no Barbara Novak is in Crown Heights. <laughs> Trust me. So now Catcher, he does call his private investigator and ask him to start doing recon on Bo- Barbara Novak. Did you also think like, oh my God, how hard was it to be a private investigator back then? Because I was like, oh, all he had to do is Google. And I was like, oh, oh. He had to go to Maine. <laughs> he had to go to Maine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Knock on doors, ask questions, talk I'm like, to this, people. Yeah. This couldn't yeah, like, happen in this day and age. <laughs> like, yeah. one quick Google search would be like, oh, that bitch. That's yeah, Facebook right here. So, Catcher grabs Peter's dry cleaning ticket, follows. Barbara into the dry cleaners. The dry cleaner owner's wife is like, my husband's in the back now because (laughs) I am down with love. (laughs) She she started a fucking cult for real though. She did. (laughs) I'm a down with love girl now. (laughs) (laughs) And so catcher walks in, puts on glasses and has an American accent I can say rewatching it this time around, knowing what the end is, I watched the scene in a totally different way because I know that someone knows what's happening. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So like I was watching it in a different way to see like, does she show anything Mm -hmm. different? Because it seems like she plays it pretty well. Right. You know, but I'm like, is there, are there any hints mm-hmm. rewatching this scene? I saw a few. I I didn't get to watch this with Ken, so I'll, I, I'm going to rewatch it because I think this is very much in his wheelhouse. <laughs> so when I do, I'll, I'll be able to kind of look at it with a different lens, which, which will be exciting. I will. I always joke, Gavin, that Jackie married a male version movie wise of me. So Ken, her husband and I 
usually like the same kind of rom com movies and she likes rom-coms but like not everything but ken is yeah. like 100 percent down okay <laughs> gotcha so catcher creates this persona named zip martin he introduces himself and the the dry cleaner lady hands him a bag with stuff she found in the pockets of the the laundry that she was dry cleaning and one of those items happened to be the NASA badge that Catcher had given Peter earlier in the movie. And so he was able to play it off like he was a NASA scientist and he had been assigned to a, a super secret special project in New York City. And so he was going to be here for a while. Sorry. And then there's a lot of like, let's get to know each other at my place. Let's get to know each other first somewhere like it's a lot of back and forth of saying without saying like she wants to take him home and he wants to actually get to know her as a person (laughs) this is before Uh, they had the term dtf yes yeah and so at the same time peter kind of moves in on vicky he asks her out they start dating I do love the scene though that she gets excited because this football player has asked her out and she's you know really into it and then she gets really pissed and tells him to go get the hell out of here because he wants to give her a manuscript she's like he didn't even have the 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 foresight to the decency to try to seduce me first (laughs) she's not taking being a down with love girl very well because the the sex part isn't flowing the way that she would like yeah so then there's a montage of barbara and zip dating they go they take on broadway sports (laughs) dancing comedy shows music performances they do it all they went to cafe wa and i was very excited because as a new yorker i've been there many times to see different comedy shows so i was like okay that place is still open the rest of those places not so much there's a lot of places (laughs) that no longer exist in new york and then he reveals to peter that he's doing this because he's going to write an expose and expose barbara by making her fall in love with him that she's not actually a down with love girl yeah she's not a city girl as she says she is yeah they have 29 dates in 23 days. I don't know why Peter's keeping track of these stats. <laughs> I do. That whole scene where they have the montage, I loved it because they did. That's like a thing that they did in the 60s so much in those movies where it kind of like, which is really smart from, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm like, I kind of wish they still did that because they don't have to make these big productions or whatever. Just they change outfits. They change backgrounds. <laughs> keep going yep uh, and catcher or so catcher is like lamenting that he's spending all this time with barbara he's not getting anywhere and peter points out maybe he just likes spending time with her and it doesn't have to expose her for who she is maybe that's why catcher did not like that response (laughs) Peter is also suffering during this time because he's trying to 
find his manlihood, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. or and it's just like he's not also getting laid by well, he's not having sex with Barbara. No. Vicky, thank you. <laughs> oh Lord. And he's not getting laid. Um, and then we find out that Vicky this whole time thinks that he's gay. And she's okay with it. She's totally fine with being his beard, like not even a problemo. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I I would like I would like to get down with love you know what I'm saying (laughs) (laughs) which is really interesting because both Sarah Paulson and David Hyde Pierce when they filmed this movie they had both not come out yet Um, Mm -hmm. Sarah hadn't even gone on a public date with a woman at this point it's not too much longer after this movie that he comes out and then a little bit afterwards she does so it's it's kind of like fiction what is it i don't know what that i was going to say better than fiction but that's not it life uh, imitating in, 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 life art imitating life there you go she got it 200 <laughs> points <laughs> so this is about the time we get Oh, so Catcher goes over to Peter's house. Peter's attempting to cook dinner. He has the orange Le Creuset pots on his stove. <laughs> the only thing I noticed in this scene. And they were completely empty. You could tell by the way they were moving them. But Catcher comes up with a brilliant idea. Why don't you bring Vicky to my place and pass it off as your apartment? And I will bring Barbara here for a home-cooked meal since I'm playing this kind of like small town persona zip. And so Peter goes along with it because he can't say no to catcher. So, <laughs> so the scene is, yeah. <laughs> I, I do like when he gets to the apartment and Vicky sees a picture and she's like, Oh, are these your parents? And he, she's, he's like, no, those were catcher's parents but like what i don't understand is why he didn't get to the house like before her and try to like about it learn the fucking buttons but i do have a question for all of us (laughs) catcher's apartment is amazing what do you think out of all the things that he has the switches for what did you think was like the coolest thing I liked the bar behind the wall, but I also liked the the couch that turned into a bed Same. because nothing better than laying in bed watching TV right. but in your family room. Right. 100%. I think that would be a I think that would be a real problem for me cuz then I would never go to my bed. Yeah. So, this is where now that catcher has this great plan in place, he calls Barbara and invites her over for dinner at his place, which is really catcher's or Peter's place. And this is where we get the split screen with like the insinuated sex positions and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And that came from those are those are direct homages to Pillow the talk. 1950s and 60s screw screwball comedies Pillow Talk in particular. So then she agrees, she shows up, and they have a really good time. There's more innuendos as she's looking through the telescope at the moon. <laughs> and this is probably the first scene where we, we're realizing that he is falling in love with her. 
because mm-hmm. he's she's like oh it's so beautiful and he's like I know and she's like you're not looking at the moon you know the typical it's a trope yeah let's yeah you know. exactly <laughs> and so she says that she needs to say goodnight and goodbye because she can't allow herself to catch feelings <laughs> and then he pulls her in and kisses her and then she agrees to have one more she agrees to one more chance and then also grabs the chocolate souffle and <laughs> takes it home with her. All I got to say is that he must have some real skillful lips that that turned that around for her. Well, you know, she was already feeling things. And so I'm surprised she didn't take them right there. And then <laughs> chocolate cake be damned. Meanwhile, because everything has gone haywire at Catcher's apartment, Vicky and Peter went to some some beatnik bar and then it got shut down. So they invite all the beatniks back to Catcher's apartment. Catcher shows up and is approached by a, a beatnik woman wearing no top and she quickly convinces him. I use that term very loosely suggests this is where i have a problem usually in the like formula of this kind of stuff once the guy's in love he's not cheating but he out here cheating so has anything changed not yet i'm not happy with this (laughs) well neither is barbara because vicky has invited her to the beatnik party at quote-unquote peter's house And Barbara walks into the bedroom to just put her coat down Mm -hmm. and catches Catcher in bed with the beatnik girl. But And she storms out. He runs after her and he's (laughs) able to come up on the fly with this story about how how she she put something other than tobacco. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't know what was happening. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, oh, Barbara. And she believes him, I guess, because we Mm. know. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, that's like one of the big hints that she's, it's all a plan, really. Yeah. Yeah. That that she led him away with it. Right. Because there ain't no way. (laughs) And now. The next scene, we're back in the board meeting and the board members are not happy because it's not even their wives who are now down with love girls. It's their mistresses. And so Vicky's got to go. (laughs) It's too late though. Like, even though like he wants to fire Vicky, but like, what is that really going to do? The book is out there. Yeah. Yeah. And they have no secretaries either. Like right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but at the same time, they're having this internal discussion about firing Vicky. Vicky has <laughs> been emboldened to go in and demand equality. And she leaves with a box full of her possessions. And here's where I'd like to give some career yeah. advice. If you want something and you ask for it, do not go and say you're going to quit if you don't get it. Just ask for it. See where these people are. They say no. You start looking for a new job. And then you have the power to be able to say, I fucking quit. Don't get fired. Yeah. Don't quit without another job. 
unless it's like extremely toxic and you're going to be sick, then I understand. Yeah. But like, not smart, Vicky, not smart at all. So Vicky is lamenting that she wants to marry Peter <laughs> and Barbara is very obviously in love with catcher with catcher and so she's meeting him for another date he has this ruse that he has to make a detour to peter's house in quotes because the plan is that he's he i think one of the things that he says to her to say that they're going to like to get her back is that they're going to consummate their relationship yes and so she's you see these scenes where they're both like primping and getting ready for this yes but his whole goal is to catch her she he thinks she's going to say no that she's going to stop them from having sex because she's in love with him which means that Mm -hmm. she's not a city girl anymore okay that'll be be his big aha moment i got you right kind of that's how we're exposed and it has to be at his house because that's where the secret recording equipment that's in plain sight is (laughs) 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 that thing is so huge it's not conspicuous or inconspicuous i think making noises is making noises as well (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile peter and vicky are out at dinner peter is very twitchy and vicky's like what the fuck's going on like why are you acting like this i don't care if you're gay I just want to be married, like spill it. And so she essentially tricks Peter into (laughs) spilling the beans on Catcher's plan to entrap Barbara (laughs) so that he can write his expose. And then one, there's one little moment in that scene. I love, or it might be, might be the previous scene when she thinks that he is here and he says, I'm not a homosexual and he like whispers it and he's like looking over his shoulder. <laughs> Keep your voice down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's it's totally funny now that you've reminded me that they're both gay. Yeah. So and so then it cuts back to Barbara and Catcher. And Barbara tells him, I love you too much to have sex with you. I want what every woman wants, which is love and marriage. What? I'm not a down with love mo- girl. I had a problem with that statement. <laughs> <laughs> and then, the 60s. <laughs> yep, exactly. Gwendolyn shows up at this point, Jerry Ryan. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. You left the key out. I thought it was cool to come in. I'll come back later. And like leaves the key and pieces out. And there's never she... really a moment when I, somebody like the Jerry Ryan, she, there's never a moment where somebody comes in that and catches him, you know, like, you know what I mean? Catcher, what, what are you doing? Yeah, right. exactly. They never yeah, call him that, by that, his that, name. Like, so happened. he's able to keep up the zip rouge. Right, but she yeah. calls Ruse. she calls him out in this scene, and mm-hmm. just when you think, oh God, Barbara's gonna lose it on him, she gives a monologue for like 80, 50 years to explain her entire ruse. That monologue 
It lasts three minutes and two seconds in a single unbroken shot, and it only took Renee Zellweger six takes to get right. She is something else, that lady. She is a professional. (laughs) So essentially, she's right. Essentially, she says, uh, I'm not Barbara Novak. There's never been a Barbara Novak. I was your secretary like a year and a half ago. (laughs) I didn't look like this. I had brown, brown hair. You asked me on a date. But I, I turned you down because I needed to prove to you that I was your equal and could, <laughs> like, essentially run a scam as good as you run a scam. Well, she needed him to fall in love with her. Yeah. And she was never going to be able to do that because, one, she had brown hair. So mm, that was never going to happen. <laughs> Two, she didn't want to be in his rotation. So mm-hmm. she's like, she I got to stand t- out. Right. And you had to, to be a star. <laughs> and like the way she explains it, she's like, all I had to do was create a fake author, write an international bestseller, get a meeting with you at n- no, right? Yeah. Or well, know that you would blow me off. Yeah. Like it was so long and convoluted this plan that she knew she was going to be one step ahead of catcher at every turn make him yeah, fall in love with going. her yeah. this and- is like and then i'd know that you do this and then i'd know <laughs> that you would do this and it goes I, I, as you said it goes on for like three minutes <laughs> and this is why i don't know how the cia isn't just filled with women because if you really want like <laughs> trickery plots that go on for days real thought like provoking situations and secrets it's women all the way that's why i always laugh so hard when men think that they can cheat and not get caught (laughs) first of all women have like intuition they always just end up knowing and then men just be telling on themselves all the fucking time they can barely hold two lies together nonetheless like multiple yeah uh, no offense to men but it's true i see it all the time it's crazy <laughs> kevin's like i don't i'm not saying it <laughs> it's 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 kind of like the scene itself where uh renee zellweger like there's the, the three minute monologue and it ends with a shot of hugh mcgregor and his mouth is just like wide open <laughs> pretty much what you're saying (laughs) and then she's like your private eye is gonna figure this out right about now and then like the phone call phone rings and he's like there's no barbara novak but there's a nancy brown that owns a p.o box so she reveals her secret and (laughs) he's in shock and she's like i can't but I can't be with you because I love you so much. Yes. <laughs> she, she like does all this shit. And she's like, bye, sucker. And she's like out of there. And, and he like- proposes. <laughs> He's like, no wife of mine is going to live in an apartment. And she's like, I can't do this. I, oh, and so Gwendolyn, the flight attendant comes back in and is like, you're Barbara Novak. Thank you. I'm still screwing around, but I'm also going for my pilot's license. And I'm not as nice as I used to be on flights. And then like pieces out again. And that like is Barbara's inspiration that she has to continue being Barbara Novak and inspiring women to be down with love girls. City girls up. Yeah. 
And then just at this point, Vicky shows up and she's like, fuck him. And Barbara's or Nancy's like, peace. And they leave. <laughs> <laughs> and Catcher is in up in his feelings. He's not doing well. He's he's she got him fucked up for real. Mm-hmm. He can't go back to his old ways. She won't accept his calls. He doesn't know what to do to catch her attention. It's not it's not looking good for him. While I think Peter is still with Vicky. And- well, because uh, during that scene where, where Barbara and now Nancy storms out, mm-hmm. Vicky's pissed at Peter and like is like, you're just like every other man. And that like inspires him because he's <laughs> never been called that before. And so he just like grabs her and kisses her. And then she's like, this is what I'm talking about. This, this is the stuff. This is when Peter becomes Patrick. Yes. No. No, I don't like that. But also he gets mad because now she just using him for his body on a daily basis mm-hmm. oh, like her own personal jungle gym and he's like i don't get any respect around here <laughs> so peter goes to check on catcher and just let him know like listen nancy's throwing away all your gifts like you need to stop you need to give up and I think he says you need to crush her and, and Catcher says, I don't want to crush her. I love her. And he doesn't care about sex. He wants to be married. And so then he sees a billboard across the street from his apartment for Now Magazine. And it is Nancy's new magazine. She has outed herself as Barbara Novak. She has scooped herself so he cannot write his expose. And she also puts an an advertisement out for a secretary and she's an equal opportunity employer. So Catcher goes and applies. (laughs) And it's really just FaceTime with her to try and win her back. And he wants her to be a hybrid essentially of nancy mm-hmm. and and barbara and barbara, the, like somewhere in between you know he's pretty much begging for her to come back <laughs> oh and in this scene where he goes to see her she's dressed in all white with a turban on right so <laughs> then <laughs> he's leaving he starts counting because at the beginning he he counts to see if a woman's gonna follow him and it always happens within five seconds so he starts counting. She doesn't follow him. He's very Lassad. Goes to the <laughs> elevator, but she's in the elevator somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah. you want someone in between blonde and brunette? And she takes off her turban and she's a redhead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also then- want to state that she's still within diversity because we never see her with the brown hair so it's she's true. never in competition with oh yeah no i could Nikki. still follow it it's, it's <laughs> we're not confused yet yeah. and so she she says i scooped you again 
<laughs> and then he says, I knew you would. They walk out on the roof and there's a helicopter that has a NASA sticker and also like a Vegas or bust on the tail. And then they climb onto a ladder and just float around New York City. I had so much anxiety by this scene. So I was like, why are they not climbing the ladder to get in the plane? Why didn't they get into the helicopter when it was on securely on the roof? It was never on the roof. It was always hover, hovering oh, okay. over the roof. Okay. Well, but that's like, fair. Who, who, they swing into Vegas? Like, what is what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, uh, and then I was like, Vegas is a long way from New York. They can't possibly hold on for that long. They were going to the airport, the helicopter to the okay. airport. That's the only thing that makes logical sense to me at this point. <laughs> but these fools are ridiculous. So then there, there are... T- two mid-credit scenes there's one of vicky and Pe- peter where they're you both like at this did it? I, I, did. Did I got myself <laughs> and they call each other at the same time and essentially they're like are you gonna marry me or what so tie up vicky and peter and then we get a whole dance montage and song a little song and dance because now catcher and nancy have written a book called here's to love (laughs) and that's down with love my god (laughs) trying to think if there's any 55 sets were built on four sound stages the other cool thing was that sarah paulson said that you know normally with movies now we they have trailers that they go to but back in the day they used to actually have green rooms that you know everyone had their own dressing rooms on set and obviously that changed over the years but for this movie they did the same thing they everyone had like a dressing room and that she was just in absolute awe of everybody on set but she was extremely thankful for Renee because she said Renee never really took things too seriously was absolutely kind to everybody on set. She just led by example. And she's like, look, I've worked with a lot of people. You don't have to do it that way. But when it does happen, it just, it really does feel nice. She just Mm -hmm. took the time to make everyone feel supported and safe in the environment. And so she said, it's just something she, she never forgot. And also that Renee Zellweger is like the nicest smelling person that she's ever met in her entire (laughs) life. (laughs) which makes me now want to go find her and sniff her because I want to know what the smell of (laughs) what this is is. yeah and the song here's to love that's sung by Renee and Ewan during the closing credit credits was a last minute addition to the film it was added at the suggestion of Ewan McGregor who pointed out that the that there was an opportunity the the filmmakers had to unite the stars of two recently popular musical films. Yeah, they both. I mean, obviously, they both have really good singing voices, so yeah. that's like a no brainer. Yes, I don't know why. They... And your Michael Bublé, he had a few songs on. I do love a Bublé. You do the sings songs, the intro, huh? Sings the intro song. I'm, I don't, if it's Kissing a Fool and For Once in My Life, he sung those songs. Um, and they were also on his album, his 
self-titled album, Bublé's Bublé. <laughs> bubbly. <laughs> Ham and bubbly. <laughs> <laughs> On August 4th, 2003, Ewan McGregor attended the Australian gala premiere of this movie as he was in the country filming Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Also in attendance was George Lucas. So, George Lucas is down oh. with love. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. Same. I'm very curious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so before we get into our ratings, Gavin, why don't you tell everybody how they can find you on social? Again. <laughs> you can find me on TikTok, Gavin Duffy, Instagram, Gavin Duffy as well, and YouTube. They'd be the three that I would mostly use. Nice. And as always, you guys can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube at No More Late Fees. And now we're going to get into our ratings for present day. Gavin, we're going to start with you. Our ratings consist of would buy it again, five-day rental, two-day rental, same-day rental. Bye. You said bye? Buy it? Oh, yeah. okay. I thought you said bye, like, it's out of here. I don't want it. I was like, <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> no, no, no. no I, I would buy it. I did buy it. So. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Like, for me, I know that this is like pure nostalgia. It's so silly. It really is. I, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I would buy it. I did buy it again on Amazon. Mm. So I have it on DVD and for another 24 hours on amazon so oh, i guess i rented purchase, it purchase i rented it i rented it well there's like, no overall there's like so much to admire in the film like we touched on the costumes are incredible and there's so much of them the sets the mm -hmm. cast are great it looks beautiful the script's kind of fun and clever in a lot of places in some in some scenes it's really great so like it does it does a lot of things really, really well. And the music as well. I enjoy the music too. Yeah. It makes me want to actually hook up my DVD player, which I really need to do. And <laughs> watch Pillow Talk because I have that on DVD and I haven't watched in a while. Jackie? I did buy it only for lack of resources. <laughs> But it was enjoyable. Like I said, it, it leaned into being parody a couple of times, which made me question things. But overall, I would give it a five day. If someone said, let's sit down and watch Down With Love or someone turned it on, I'd sit and watch it. Nice. Well, if you have fond memories of 1960s rom-coms or have any other opinions or just want to call and chat, give us a call. Leave us a, a message on our quick drop 909-601-NMLF, 909-601-6653. Twat us at the Twitters or leave a message at our pod Spotify for Podcasters account and you can be featured on a future episode. Next week... If you dare, join us for the 2000 film Memento, which is perfect for my bird-sized brain that forgets everything. This is my time to shine, people. <laughs> the whole premise of this movie is this bitch don't remember a thing. I don't to... want to miss a thing, <laughs> but I miss 
everything. <laughs> oh, but I have to thank Gavin for joining us. I hope you had a lot of fun. We had fun and hope you we can did. come back and do another movie with us. I loved it. And it was it, it was a great excuse to check out this movie again. And it was great to finally talk to you guys <laughs> and not just <laughs> chat <laughs> comment sections. <laughs> <laughs> We had a yeah. blast. Yeah. Thank you for joining us and staying up so super late. late. <laughs> My pleasure. My pleasure. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> and as always, be kind and rewind. <laughs>